We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Great tackle, watch out! Burst of speed! Look at this freshman! Welcome to the home of professional football, Canton, Ohio. Hello and welcome to another episode of the College to Canton podcast, the perfect show for any and every college football and NFL fan. I'm your host, Travis May, and you can find me on Twitter at FF underscore Travis M and Titan Travis on Clubhouse. If you're joining us for the first time, College to Canton is a show about the journey of the best football players and prospects in the world, from being a college football recruit to a college player to the NFL, all the way to the Pro Football Hall of Fame And we always talk some fantasy football since this is a Rotoviz Radio podcast, but we always make sure to dive into some real college football and NFL analysis too. This summer, we've been ping-ponging back and forth between NFL and college analysis here and there. And last week, we talked about some rookie projections and some players that we think are going to be valued highly uh, So if after this rookie season for them. So if you want to check that episode out, you can go do that after this show, of course. Uh, but we're going to dive back into some college football talk uh, here right before we get to uh, the beginning of, you know, uh, college camps, uh, summer camps, and uh, NFL rookies are about to report here in, in the next couple weeks. And so lots of things coming up, but I want to dive into this format that really is this podcast's namesake in College to Canton, or some as some call it, Campus to Canton. Dive into some strategies that we uh, approach in terms of drafting, talk about some players that we think are going to break out this year in college football that should be in the NFL drafts upcoming. Uh, but first, uh, I just want to welcome the guest and now mainstay of the College to Canton podcast, Stefan Leco. Welcome back to the show, man. What's up, man? How's it going? It's good, good to be good. back, as always. Yeah, man. And uh, you can find Stefan at, at, at Leco on Twitter. And he is the host of the Rotoviz College Football Podcast and a writer with Rotoviz and a part of our Devi Fantasy Football team. But yeah, man, it's it's name, image, likeness day, NIL day, right? Uh, it's July 1 when, when we are recording this. When people are listening, uh, you'll probably already see some ridiculous deals coming out with these players signing uh, fun deals with restaurants and uh, clubs and getting bunches of money for going to kids' birthday parties and, all, <laughs> and a whole bunch of other just kind of crazy stuff. But w- what are your thoughts on that? Because, I mean, with, with name, image, likeness now being available to all players all over the country, not just football, not just basketball, every every sport in the NCAA, students can finally start making some money on top of these scholarships and, and also not be punished 
for doing so. That's that's the biggest part. Like, and, and uh, so, what, what are your biggest takeaways? Well, I think you you hit the nail on the head. There is not be punished. I think we all know that a lot of athletes, college athletes, have been being paid for a while now, <laughs> but at least now it can be done in a legal manner. And I'm all, I'm here for it, man. I think anything we can do uh, to get college athletes some, you know, in more incentives than just you know free scholarship is absolutely important these these men especially like as we're talking about football these men are putting their bodies on the line for you know huge money making sport for these universities like i think it's only only right that they're able to you know make some money off of their name image and likeness so i'm here for it i'm really excited and uh, davo sweeney is a complete jerk (laughs) for (laughs) for being anti and being like you know a couple months ago he was saying that if this happened he would quit and start you know yeah please do doing pro it's like you know what man like <laughs> you're making millions and millions off of you know the blood sweat and tears of these athletes yeah. like i'm not saying he doesn't do a good job as a coach and as a recruiter like he he does a job um but he's he's not the one breaking arms and getting his acl torn and all this right. kind of stuff like you know what these 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 men deserve um, being able to make some money and it's a free free market like no one's saying these guys have to be paid x amount like they're gonna make what they what what the market deems their value is and so i i think it's totally totally good i'm here for it and uh better better late than never it, i mean all the all the talk shows we're talking about which athletes would have made the most win and all that kind of stuff and it's just makes me sad that it's it's taken this long but i i'm happy Seriously. for the guys and i i hope that you know, I hope that this is something that uh, can sustain some people. Absolutely. Just uh, just be a great thing for a bunch of players. And it's not even just the endorsements or anything like players that have other talents, skills and abilities. I saw a couple of examples of uh, college athletes who are actual professional musicians as well, mm. uh, but they haven't been able to tour and sell tickets uh, for their own shows just because they're also a college athlete. Or, you know, the example of the the kicker, the UCF kicker a few years ago that lost his scholarship just for having a YouTube channel. Like all these uh, young young men that are being punished for being entrepreneurs, punished for having other skills and abilities that can't even cash in because they also happen to play football for a, a school. It's just absurd. So all these yeah. things are coming to an end. Uh, and it's just a beautiful thing because when Derek King can wake up and be like, hey, what's up, guys? I'm just going to make a smooth 20K this morning. Uh, that's that's pretty great because like, you know, playing for a, a big program like Miami uh, and being in a big city market, uh, you're going to have those kind of opportunities. And it's it's cool to see him uh, coming together with Mackenzie Milton and actually starting uh, Dreamfield, like an organization that actually represents players and allows people to schedule their own bookings uh, for events and they have different rates for each player. It's it's a pretty cool uh, outline that they've kind of established already. So it'll be interesting to, interesting to monitor what happens here and, and what this does for these players' brands as they grow in terms of skill level and just exposure nationally. Like it'll, it'll be really interesting to me if a player establishes himself as a brand. Uh, maybe, yeah. maybe they're not the, you know, number one overall wide receiver or number one overall running back in the country. But because they have such an established brand and they're so good at marketing themselves that that ends up somehow affecting future draft capital. I know that sounds a little bit silly, but I think of like guys who just kind of have flash in the pan moments, like big single game performances. And then all of a sudden, 
bursts them and you know launches them up draft boards or even guys that just kind of flash at the combine with their you know with a flashy performance there like i i wonder if guys like you know braxton miller a few years ago basically he had the virginia the virginia tech game and nothing else and he literally didn't even play wide receiver and got day two capital just because he was a brand and everyone knew him like it's so crazy yeah. i forgot that he got day two capital oh yeah, my god it's insane like he was a quarterback who was like hey guys i'm now a wide receiver but he's not really and all of a sudden he got capital because he was a name that everybody knew and i think it will be fun to see if these guys who had these established brands and can sell jerseys uh, even if they're drafted in round six uh you know just because they have this kind of established brand if that actually starts showing up uh transitioning well, and helping these guys make it even to the next level somehow Right. And to your point, like people might think that's crazy. Why would a team do that? But like, look what the Jaguars are doing with Tim Tebow. Like that's a publicity stunt for the most part, you know, and, 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 you know, it may or may not work. Who knows? But man, it was a number one selling Jersey at the NFL shop for, for a couple of weeks in a row. I think it was a top three Jersey, like the home, the away and the women's were one, two and three. So like, this is a money making business. Oh, absolutely. And (laughs) I think back to, like even Juju, we talk about him, I think every week, but even in college, like he was already a brand. He had his own thing. Like he could have been making a bunch of money off of himself uh, in college just because of his gaming and his personality and all this other stuff that he was just a fun player. People loved to to embrace. And, uh, you know, he does his big thing is, is gaming and engaging with people in that way, too. There are already over 400 athletes who have partnered with a gaming company to uh, do like a pay to play with your favorite players type model. Like uh, Kyron Williams, running back Notre Dame, is, is among that crew that's going to be just paying, you know, getting paid to play video games with fans and stuff like that. Love it. Yeah. So even just a few years ago, it would have been fun. <clears throat> it would have been fun to kind of watch these players who were already a brand, clearly already a brand before they got to the pros, be able to cash in. Um, and there's, there's going to be funny examples all over the place. But when schools do big, wide, like, hey, this this benefit is for all type of uh, type of options, it's, it's going to be interesting. Well, one example already has emerged. Nebraska apparently has a partnership with a restaurant chain uh, where they're actually going to have 100 of their athletes, 100 Nebraska athletes, not just football, a whole bunch of other athletes uh, getting to get signed on and make money from this one restaurant chain who's going to basically get them in commercials and other ad spots and all over. So it'll be interesting just to see how this affects recruiting and how this affects the uh, power shift, perhaps, in the coming years for college football, where players go, um, where the best players come out of. I think we just talked about NFL University a couple weeks ago. This could this could actually start to shift that. So uh, I'm, I'm just intrigued. I know maybe the average fan of, of college football isn't. Maybe fantasy football people <laughs> aren't. And uh, that's most of our audience. So sorry about that, guys. But we'll dive into uh, the topic now on this episode, just talking about campus to Canton formats, colleges to Canton formats, uh, Debbie fantasy football, future NFL players that are in college now uh, and making it to the pros. And I wanted to talk to you about this, Stefan, because you've been playing Debbie fantasy football for quite some time, as have I. But but you actually decided to take the plunge and dive into college to Canton formats this year. And so I think you've done done that in a way where you dove in kind of head first. <laughs> and uh, had, I think you're up to three leagues already for that. So I wanted to kind of pick your brain as to how you did your strategies, where how you started drafts off, like what you prioritized. So as you... 
began um, your process this year, dive, diving into your first college decanton draft. What what was the first or second most important thing you found yourself doing? Well, the first thing I did was on the Rotoviz College Football Fantasy Podcast. I brought on an expert to talk about just C to C 101. And that was you, Travis. You joined me for an episode just to go through the nuts and bolts of it. And that was my like uh, deep dive cheating <laughs> into like just getting an idea. And we yeah. talked about, and it was really useful information. Like we talked everything from like roster construction to, to strategy and all that kind of stuff. And um, based on those conversations, I, I kind of decided what I wanted my strategy to be in, in these different leagues. And so one league, I was like, I'm going all in on the NFL. So I traded away a lot of my uh, college assets, my first and second round pick, you know, to, to move up in the draft and uh, traded a couple more picks later so that I could get a veteran Julio Jones, you know, uh, so, so really emphasize the NFL on that one. Now I ended up getting super lucky and I have a really great team there as well, but because I'm so NFL dominant, I ended up going very, very young in that league, getting a lot of, you know, freshmen, um, yeah. incoming guys because they're a little bit cheaper and, I'm going to be in a, a pretty rough situation in that league anyway. So kind of <laughs> viewing viewing things like with the, the long term in mind. And then in my other leagues, it's been um, a strategy kind of one league. I, I wanted to kind of win the college side of things. So I went really heavy with um, proven players that I know are going to produce. Um, and, you know, later in those middle rounds, getting some of those G5 players that put up huge numbers, but probably won't actually have much NFL capital. So that's why they go a little bit cheaper. I forget who you had on the show, uh, who it was that you were talking to just about like um, his model. I think maybe it was John, where you talked about the model of like the the hit rate for G5 players being so oh, low yeah. at like the running, running back position. And so while they don't probably have much value from like a Debbie side for my NFL squad, uh, they can really produce in college fantasy. So so getting those app state running backs, for example, uh, ends up being a pretty good strategy. So it really just depended on the league and, and kind of what strategy I was going with. And I, and I wanted to play with a couple of different ones so that my teams looked pretty different. That being said, I did end up with a lot of <laughs> similar players <laughs> on a you? lot of those rosters in those <laughs> middle rounds because I just like them so much. Yeah, and it, it's tough to get... Like I know, uh, you know, we all talk about our fla our, our fav favorite favorite yeah. Uh, yeah, favorite <laughs> uh, favorite uh, players, and it's it's tough to have all the same guys atop our board, and and then get a bunch of these guys on the first that are first round talents uh, on our teams. It just isn't practical most of the time because uh, unless you have the same exact draft slot or you're picking early and you can reach for your guy or whatever it is, it's tough to get that the, those elite talents. But once you get down. Really, even past round three, I found uh, you know the big boards for people really started to diverge, especially this year. Uh, I think just maybe it's a depth thing at the running back position, or maybe it's uh, some of the. I guess this, there's like a tier of, of similar talents at the wide receiver position that are elite, but then there's a quick drop off where there's tons of debate as to whether we should be reaching for the blue blood schools that have 14 wide receivers coming in uh, and picking, trying to pick out whichever the right one is versus, you know, pick, yeah, right. Pick, pick, versus picking a guy a little bit down the list that is, has already has some production. Uh, so I found, you know, how people prioritize 
uh, eligibility for the draft and, and uh, whether they're going for college or whether they're going for NFL victory or trying to just be completely balanced, which is really tough across the board. Uh, I found that there was just this year more than ever, there was no agreed upon strategy. And, and, and it really is that college to Kenton is still campus to Kenton is still early on uh, in its infancy as a format. Most people haven't even heard of this fantasy football format. Uh, if you try to explain it to like what I call a normal person, uh, <laughs> uh, it would be really uh, one, they'd probably run away. But two, it, it, would, it would just be like speaking another language uh, because, you know, drafting 40 plus players on the college side and 40 plus players on the NFL side and having to keep up with that many players is, is just overwhelming for many. So where do you even begin? Uh, for me, what I found myself doing is is I, I don't. I mean, I, John and I talked about this just a couple of weeks ago, but I, I do not draft that many group of five players. I, and, if, and if you look at the split of most of my drafts, I never, even though there's value in college production and going for some group of five guys who will produce, I never have even a third of my roster composed of a group of five players. And if if not even, you know, I mean, maybe max a third, but uh, normally it's around a quarter of the time uh, I'm looking at group of five players because I want guys that aren't going to be uh, dead weight as soon as they hit their senior year uh, and just disappear into nothing after that. Uh, because power five players, uh, even if they get drafted in later rounds of the NFL draft, they hold their vol- hold some value longer on your teams. Uh, and now you, this being your first time, uh, first time doing a college to Canton, have you have you seen anyone in any of your leagues really prioritize the group of five side and try to just go full college? Well, I mean, uh, Matt was Bay in one league he, that I've been with him. Like he's like, I want to win the college side, and so he he ended up going with a lot of group of five players, um, and we'll see how that works out. Um, he's he's been doing this longer than me, so it probably worked out nicely for him. Um, for myself, I. I I didn't really want a ton of them. I would, I I would rather take uh, a proven senior on a power five school than a younger group of five player. Even though the production on the college side will last longer, I just would rather have the potential uh, production in the NFL as well. So I kind of lean that way. Also, uh, the other thing that I found myself doing um, is looking ahead at the upcoming class, and this is probably just because. Um, I'm new at it, but I, I see, and I've, I've been following recruiting really intensely for the other podcast, uh, seeing these exciting names for next year and being like, man, if I have a g- bunch of guys that are seniors, I'm going to have a bunch of open spots on my roster next year. And I can just load up with freshmen next year because mm-hmm. I'm going to have all these openings. Uh, so I, I might be getting a little bit uh, starry eyed for some of these uh, these high school players. <laughs> <laughs> and that happens when you go off of the uh, recruiting uh, edge there and what is it, it and we won't spend any significant time on this but when it really gets interesting is when you have a league that allows you to draft high school players too yes. and that, that that just goes to, uh, down another rabbit ter- rabbit trail entirely um, it, it's a lot of fun just trying to project out this far I, I was listening to um, I listened to several different college fo- football podcasts myself uh, but I, you know from time to time you'll find one you're like yeah trying to predict the 2022 NFL draft you know here in July of 2021 that's that's just impossible like <laughs> like the way they talk about it it's like no one has ever been even trying to do this for years and and not like we're super 
perfect in terms of our prediction of draft capital. There's always one or two really bad misses every single year. But yeah. as a community, we have actually been getting better at predicting draft capital. We, we've been able to kind of narrow down a few production metrics that we found that lead to draft capital. For quarterbacks, I'm actually working on a piece for that that is really, really sticky in predicting capital, even more so than just your standard adjusted yards per pass attempt or anything like that. So uh, we are getting smarter and getting better at this predicting thing. And so right. did you find yourself relying on any one or two metrics as you were going along? Uh, or did you really go after guys who already had proven production uh, or or just the guys that, you know, even the young guys that were just only elite top tier recruits? Did you find yourself going for any type of, you know, specific archetype there? Yeah, there, there, I kind of went one of two ways. If if it wasn't someone, I mean, like obviously the first couple rounds, you're, you're, you you can kind of dabble in both people with high pedigrees who have also produced either if they're, I mean, if they're an incoming freshman, just even their high school production. But for some of these other guys, um, like a little bit later in the draft, the, the two things I was looking at was either elite production in like a smaller school where they were like the main man. So like a, a Cameron Peoples, um, for example, or I'm looking at prospect rankings and seeing what their composite rank was. If they're an incoming freshman, I'm looking at, so so one guy that I uh, really was interested in this year is uh, Dion Smith because he has great um, recruiting profile and he also got recruited by a school who's been pumping out elite wide receivers. So that interests me and I'm able to get him super late, but he, he fits the bill for someone that could pop even though there's not a whole lot to go on. So those were kind of the two things that I was looking at. Nice. Yeah, I, I definitely found myself uh, looking for just specific opportunity this year more so than ever. Because, I mean, a lot of times what we think is talent uh, is mostly just opportunity in many cases. I know that uh, in the pros, that that's not how that always works. And when we're talking about uh, you know, players landing in a spot and we think we understand what the opportunity is and reaching on them because of the opportunity. That's not what I'm necessarily advocating for. But especially when it comes to college, like if you're looking to uh, try to predict, you know, what a player is going to do, what player is going to break out in college. A lot of times it has to do with the available targets around them. Like like you get guys like Jalen Waddle who are sitting behind three first rounders and then really don't ever have a uh, a, a true breakout season because there wasn't opportunity, but seldom are they actually good enough to shine bright enough to actually get the capital like Jalen Waddle. So most of the time uh, you, know, you see guys break out in a different way. Like that's the exception to the rule. Like most guys that get drafted early also have a really solid production profile. And that had to do with early and often opportunity in many cases. Uh, so I was trying to go for uh, different looks at, um, you know, who's who could possibly break out this year? What was different last year, given the pandemic or given the players that were still around them that is different in this upcoming season? And, that, and that's what I always try to do. But even more so this year, just because I've I think I've tried I've tried to just I don't know, just thought, oh, I'm, I'm smart enough to pick the right players that are good enough. But I picked players that were just not in great situations. Uh, and I might still believe in the player, but there's just too much going on or too bad of a quarterback uh, trying to get them the ball. And and this year, too, with the super seniors or whatever it is that people are calling them, mm -hmm. um, there's even it's even more difficult because you've got people hanging around for their fifth year and it makes those openings 
uh, fewer and more far between. I have a question for you though, Travis. Sure. Uh, that being said, we you were talking about like, um, you know, maybe whether it's like the Alabama running backs or the receiving the receiving core at Ohio State or Oklahoma or Clemson. What do you find yourself doing in those situations where it's a really heavy room? There's a lot of elite talent there, and it's really hard to predict the player that will see that target share or the rushing sh- the market share that that we that we like to see like even like looking at dominator rating and stuff like that how have you been kind of approaching that have you been taking like a taking a shot on one particular person like i believe that it's going to be jojo or um are you like i'm just going to avoid altogether or are you like i'm going to take the cheapest one that falls yeah well, there's there's a few great examples of this this year, right? The the best being probably the wide receivers at Alabama, with Ja'Cory Brooks, Ajayi Hall, JoJo Earl, and Christian Leary all coming in at the same time in Alabama, and they're all like top sixty, top seventy kind of players in the entire country, according to most recruit recruiting services. And in many cases, I would advocate for taking the the cheapest one, um, but in that case, there's like there's four of them. You know, like if there's three, maybe, but we're advocating for the cheapest one. I mean, we're basically counting on a transfer and and counting on a transfer and counting on them hitting after a transfer. Like that's <laughs> that's really tough to do. Like I think of the, the Georgia wide receivers a couple years ago. I'd rather go for the guy that I believe is going to have the earliest uh, and most significant impact. And if I have to take them earlier, uh, I'm okay doing that. I, I have one Ja'Cory Brooks. I have one JoJo Earl. I have one Ajayi Hall. But I don't have any Christian uh, Christian Leary because I, I would rather take somebody who has more proven production in the same range of a draft as the you know incoming wide receiver four in his own draft in his own recruiting class for a top program. Like Oklahoma, the same thing. You're not going to find me with any with with many copies of Jaleel Farouk this year. And for those of you, the three of you who actually know who that is, that is like the wide receiver four in this uh, recruiting class for Oklahoma. You can get him late though, real late. Really, really, really late. And if you can get him in round 50, go for it. But like most of the time, it's just that guy's going to transfer and we're going to have to count on him transferring and hitting when he does transfer. Right. And now I will say, we have seen a growing number of transfers, and this year especially. A uh, bunch of guys are actually going to get left out in the cold this year. That is undebatable. Uh, mm-hmm. It's going to be pretty tragic for probably about a 1,000 athletes that are going to be without a program or a, a demotion in terms of level of program this year. Uh, but we have seen more successful transfers make it to the pros. And now with the one-time transfer rule coming into play, where you don't have to sit out an entire year, you don't have to get a waiver to play, uh, we're going to see transfers work out probably at a higher rate than we have seen, but that still makes the that still doesn't help the hit rate get super pretty, you know? Right. Like, so I I don't really like going for those guys who are did, did basically you, going to lose. Out did you deliberately produce. get one of each of those three, or did it just like did you deliberately target one of each of those three wide receivers from Alabama so that you had? you knew at least one was going to hit or did it just happen happen to work out that way? <laughs> it actually just happened to work out that way. Uh, I think based on how the spring has gone, Ajayi Hall is going to be the guy. Uh, and based on... Uh, oh, he's what, rising yeah, passes them. Because yeah. everyone thought it was going to be JoJo. Yeah, and JoJo Beautiful, Earl wasn't there in the spring. And Ja'Cory Brooks wasn't healthy in the spring for uh, a bit there. Uh, but JoJo Earl fits like our, our what we've been seeing break out for Alabama, Alabama in their scheme. Like he fits what they have been doing. I think he's going to have a role there. 
Uh, and I think Ja'Cory Brooks is going to break out and potentially will have the high ceiling of them all one day. But he's going to break out slower because of his progression this spring and because of how um, the high school he played for. I think I've said this before on the show, but he played for IMG Academy, one of the premier high school programs in the country. Uh, sent tons of NFL players, uh, well, college players to the pros, high school players to the pros eventually. And uh, But the problem was... Because of COVID, they basically had to like redo their whole schedule, a good portion of it, and didn't have very many games at all. And he didn't have very many games himself. He actually only played in five games and only had 16 receptions uh, in his final high school season. So That's he's crazy. coming in super, super raw. Like this is a guy who since eighth grade has been, oh, that guy's a five-star stud. He's going to the NFL. Um, and he keeps getting better. He keeps on progressing. Uh, and I think he's going to get it. He's going to click. And he has that crazy upside of like just an NFL wide receiver one. Uh, I just think that he's probably not going to break out truly until probably his sophomore year. And that's okay. But that's that's going to make him cheaper to acquire in many leagues after this year. And that's that's what I'm that's kind of what I played the big schools. That's that's kind of how I played most of the big schools with like four guys, three, four guys coming in. I, for the most part, faded them and went for other programs that, that weren't as muddy, that didn't have like four guys coming in that all could break out or none could break out. So because in year two, and many times you can get those guys just a little bit cheaper from what I've yeah. I've seen over the years, especially in campus Canton leagues when you really need that college production. Like in normal Debbie leagues, like eh, he didn't break out as a true freshman. I'll just see what happens. I don't need I don't need the points because they're not contributing and winning you a championship championship potentially. But if they're sitting there doing absolutely nothing or next to nothing as true freshmen, you're thinking, man, that's a roster spot that I could fill up with somebody who could actually score. And so there's a little bit more impatience I've seen in the canvas to Canton format. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out this year. But just about every year that I've been doing this, you see people get impatient with the high pedigree guys. And that's really just the wrong call. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I I uh, again, like you said, this is my first year doing these C to C league, so I am interesting to see what it looks like in season with trades and stuff like that. Um, even trying to move around from college to NFL and stuff like that, it'll be it'll be fun. I'm really <laughs> I'm really curious how it's going to play out. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. And I mean, having a college roster of you know 40 plus guys and having an NFL roster of 40 plus guys and those players automatically going to the pros once they leave school, that can just be a lot to try to manage and try to predict. But as far as process goes, do you find yourself already kind of mapping out like who you're going to replace after this year? Like, do you look that far ahead? Have you started kind of just trying to map out like, what am I going to need? Uh, Does that affect even how you uh, approach trading? Yeah, I think it will. I think especially as, you know, season rolls along and you kind of see where you're at just from a record and how early you'll be picking because I think people already can guess like, you know, Quinn Ewers is going to be the number one pick next year, you know, and mm-hmm. in, in, in most, um, in most of these leagues. So trying to figure out, okay, where am I, where am I going to need to position myself to get into a, you know, if I'm rebuilding, you know, because I do have a lot of seniors or because I'm going to lose a couple of uh, key players. Like if I have a, a JT Daniels and a Sam Howell on a team, like what am I going to do to replace the quarterback position? If I didn't, already address that um with some underclassmen um in my c2c draft so uh looking forward i think is really important i think to uh, it's interesting being in these formats where it's it's probably likely that my 
C to C first round draft pick is going to be more valuable than my NFL first round draft pick because there's already, you know, 500 players, 500 college players that have been, you know, rostered for uh, who knows how long. Yeah. For me, it, it, it really comes into play when I'm trying to predict um, like my I normally have a bunch of running backs and wide receivers just because of how I build my teams. But it really it's tough to figure out with the, the quarterback position because so few actually hit in the mm. pros and so few actually see capital. Um, it really it, it, it really just I don't know if it deters me. I think it does kind of deter me from drafting and investing in the position on the college side. Uh, that said, I do have one. My, my highest owned player is a, uh, a rostered player is actually a quarterback, Malik Cunningham from Louisville. <laughs> but uh, most of the time, I, I do find myself really struggling to figure out the quarterback position uh, just because um, I only want to invest in guys that I think, okay, that guy can get first round draft capital. And so for me, I'm going for guys that have at least 5% r- rushing yard market share um, because that leads to capital and leads to future fantasy points mixed with 90th percentile or better passing efficiency in in at least one season. Um, However, it's tough to do that when you're looking at true freshmen and such. So what do you look for? Like even in these true freshman quarterbacks, because like the, like we said, like I said, it's, it's tough to predict quarterback capital. What are you looking for with these young guys? Um, If they happen to be enrolled at the university of Oregon, (laughs) (laughs) I do love Ty Thompson, but, I think for me, uh, it's it's the it's the their recruitment levels, what school they're going to, um, how they performed at like the elite L eleven and other like seven on seven camps and stuff like that. The players that a guy like Sam Heward, for example, who has a lot of buzz around him, I'm nervous about because the University of Washington a has not produced many quality quarterbacks recently. Like Jake Locker was a huge bust, you know. Um, but then also like the style of play, like they're one of the slowest teams last year. They have a, like one of the, I think Jimmy Lake is an amazing head coach at, at UW, but he's a defensive coordinator and he wants to play slow and safe. So Sam Heward makes me really nervous. So he's someone that I'm fading. Whereas like a, a, a Vandegrift or something like that, who uh, with Georgia, again, somewhat conservative, but we've seen them have a little bit more success. Um, hopefully like with the recruiting of their wide receivers, hopefully they're going to be a little bit more explosive. And so he's going to be a little bit higher on my board. Um, and then the guys, even like a lower recruited guy that might be going to a school that has a higher pedigree offense is going to be higher. So there's a lot of different factors that I have in, in play there, but the main, the main one is like, were you a five-star recruit <laughs> and are you going to a good school? <laughs> yeah. That does that definitely helps. I, I also love to see incredible passing efficiency, low interception percentages, and high rushing force. Because in, in today's NFL, you have to yes. be a plus in that category to get drafted. Period. Like in the past five years, there's been one guy that had negative rushing yards in college that actually saw first round capital. That guy's name was Josh Rosen. That went great, didn't it? So mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's just it's just you have to be a dual threat in in today's game. Uh, you have to at least not be a liability in that aspect of the game. So I'm, I'm all about targeting guys that are dual threat uh, early on. And especially, I mean, that works out at, in the college level, especially because most of college defenses are frankly really, really slow <laughs> and right. really, really bad uh, just about across the board. 
Uh, but uh, before we dive into some of our player, favorite players on our teams and some favorite breakout candidates for 2022 eligibles, 2023 eligibles, and 2024, just a word from our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I just want to take a second to thank you for tuning in to today's show. My name is Colin Kelly, co-host of the Road of His Overtime podcast, along with the great Sean Siegel. We do appreciate each and every listener, and as a thank you to each of you, you can get yourself a 10% discount to a Road of His NFL pass. We're heading at full speed towards the season. Make sure you're ready. Get yourself access to all the content and tools up on the Road of His website. All you have to do is add the code RVRADIO2021 at checkout to get yourself that 10% discount. Now let's go and dominate the fantasy leagues in 2021 all right so we talked about some of the basic strategies how, how we kind of focus on certain positions and uh with the college the canton format but i want to talk about here now just some of our favorite players on our team just guys that are cornerstones to our rosters that we're invested in and believe in here moving forward and some guys that we believe are going to break out and they might not even be on our teams but some guys that we believe could be breaking out in a bigger way than they have before in 2021 this fall uh, and, and could lead to some future draft capital. So who, who, who did you find yourself with the most, uh, most copies of out of all your leagues? Um, so I have a few players that I have in absolutely every league. The one for this upcoming year um, that I have absolutely everywhere that's going to be like eligible is, is Brew McCoy wide receiver for USC. Now I don't, know if he will um take off after this year because i just don't know if he's going to get the capital that he would if he if he stuck around but he's a former five-star guy he committed to texas um ended up in usc <sighs> so talented i'm really excited about what he could be he's 62 he's 205 pounds um you know when he uh came out of high school he was projected to be a first round um nfl talent and while the um, production hasn't been there yet. The offense really sets up nicely for him. 
with, uh, you know, you've got Drake London there who's going to be able to, while yes, he's going to require, you know, targets, um, he's also going to, defenses can't just focus on Brew McCoy, um, you know, double him up because then they'll get eaten alive by, um, by him. So he didn't do much last year. He only, he only had 21 receptions for 230 yards and, and, and two touchdowns. Uh, but again, you know, it was a weird year. He had been, he just transferred over from, from Texas. So there's a lot to learn. So I like him in this new offense. Um, we know that there's quite a few vacated targets at USC and, and I'm excited to see what he can do. And, uh, he's got the athletic profile that, that excites me. Um, and if he can get some production, I think he could be uh, really special. Now I, I still prefer Drake London. Let me be clear. Um, he's not my favorite wide receiver, but just because of where I can get him in leagues, Brew McCoy is someone that I've gotten every one of my teams. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, Brew Brew was a guy. I think Wispay loved him too. <laughs> I mean, he was maybe that's really, why I was turned on to him. <laughs> yeah, maybe. But uh, yeah, he was just somebody that uh, you know going to USC, being a high pedigree athlete and a wide receiver. Uh, now it's his turn. It looks like it's his turn to kind of go off, and so I really hope that does come to fruition for sure. I mentioned one name already that uh, I like. I don't think he necessarily has a big NFL future unless some, something kind of crazy happens this year. But, but Malik Cunningham for Louisville has been incredibly productive. Uh, and I've gotten him cheap everywhere in every single draft, even this year, even though he has two really good seasons, one of which he was a 90th percentile efficient passer and a dual threat on the ground. So I have a lot of him and I'm crossing my fingers uh, that uh, Stephen Carr will <laughs> bounce back. And, and now that he's at Indiana, actually uh, put together that potential that we saw even back when he was a true freshman over at USC, Stephen Carr running back. Uh, you know, back in the day, we thought, oh my gosh, Stephen Carr came onto the scene. We thought he was going to be better than Ronald Jones. And then he had back surgery and never looked the same. But he transferred to Indiana, and so that's somebody I'm rooting for because I have four shares of Stephen Carr still on rosters. I added one more just for kicks and giggles this year uh, just to see what could happen with him going to a fresh uh, situation. But he's somebody I've rooted for for a long time and believed in. He just hasn't looked the same ever since he had that back surgery. I guess it's two-plus years ago now. So hopefully in, in a situation where they want to run first, and they're probably going to have to run first this year, at least early on, um, in, in a situation that uh, they actually have a, a scheme that can run at all, because uh, USC cannot do that period and refuses to do anything not in the pistol or the shotgun. Uh, so Stephen Carr probably goes to a situation that is just way, way better. Last year, a year ago, Indiana just fed the heck out of uh, Stevie Scott and giving him like 20 plus touches per game. And that, that guy went off on to be a undrafted free agent plotter because that's what he was. But Stephen Carr still has a chance to be dynamic. So that's that's a guy I'm really rooting for. But my absolute dude that like I'm planting the flag on with just saying he's going to be an NFL quarterback one day is Tyler Buckner. Uh, and that's somebody I have uh, I have three of already, and I'll probably be adding at least one or two more shares this summer as I've got a couple drafts starting uh, within the next week and a half. Uh, true freshman coming in Notre Dame, uh, I think by the end of the year, if Notre Dame is actually taking themselves seriously wanting to be a playoff contender, they will go with Tyler Buckner at quarterback. He was already the best passer in the spring. Um, it wasn't close in the spring game. He was the best quarterback there. But hey, they're going to go with Jack Cohn probably early on because he's the safer known a asset, you know. And, and Buckner had uh, he missed all of his senior year, uh, but Buckner's just obviously the best player. 
Um, Did you see Wedding Singer? The uh, with Adam yeah. Sandler? Yeah. It's a cone. It's a cone. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I think of every you know, time because it just feels yes. right. It's like, who cares if I ran it over? It's just a Jack cone. Like, yeah. I'm with you on Tyler Buckner, too. Um, and, I, and I think he's a good example of someone who may not have, ha- I mean, he had pretty high, you know, he was a highly ranked recruit too, but he's in such a better position than a guy like Sam Heward, where if he gets the job, or I should say when he gets the job, he can mm-hmm. really flourish. And, and he could be a kind of guy who, who goes in the first round of an NFL draft. He could be a franchise uh, type quarterback, um, given his production and his, yeah, just his pedigree. So yeah, I, I like him too. Another guy that I am really excited about, I actually wrote about him, um, on the Debbie side of things as, as a, as a kind of a sleeper and a, a cheap running back this year is, um, Minnesota's own, uh, Mohammed Ibrahim, who, uh, hmm. I just think is really, really special. He, uh, in, in, in seven games, he had 15 touchdowns last year. He had over a thousand yards rushing, um, and he averaged more than a, a reception a game. So, uh, he is a player who I wonder what the draft capital will be. He might not get that day two capital that we want, but I know for sure he's going to be super productive for fantasy uh, in college. And I know I can plug and play him every week because he's going to get you that hundred plus yards and in, in a touchdown uh, and averaged two touchdowns a game last year. Um, and he has the potential to pop and potentially become someone that you use in the NFL. Um, and he's going way cheaper than, than the big name running backs. Uh, so, so he's a guy I've been taking a flyer on because I can get him later, and I, I just like what I see from him. It's it's an exciting it's an exciting production profile. Well, let's talk about let's round out the show here with some of our favorite uh, breakout candidates for 2021 that are eligible for next year's draft. First, we'll go out in, in the to, into the future here uh, here shortly, but guys that are eligible for the 2022. NFL draft guys that you still think could break out this year in a, in a bigger way than they had before. Well, for, for me, it's, it's maybe cheating because he broke out last year, but I think his name is too low on the running back list. And for me, it's Kevin Harris, the, the running back for uh, the Gamecocks. He crushed in 10 games last year, averaging 18 yards. Uh, I mean, sorry, 18 carries a game. He had almost 1,200 yards, also had 15 touchdowns. He would have more than two receptions a game. So he is the Gamecocks offense. Love him. I think he could really see, like, I think he will see day two capital. I think he, he won't be the first or second running back taken probably. I think, I think you know, Brees Hall will probably be RB1. But for me, Kevin Harris is someone you can get a little bit later who's going to give you elite college production and will probably still be uh, very relevant um, on your NFL team um, as soon as next year. Yeah, I like I mean, that he, too. He's going into his junior year. So, I mean, he could stay longer, but you're at South Carolina. Why are you going to stick around for your senior year? Yeah, exactly. And and really, a lot of people assume that Marshawn Lloyd is going to come back and take a big chunk, and he might take take some of the workload. He, he is going to take some of the workload, but Kevin Harris is, is somebody who's made his presence felt uh, significantly and uh, should be a force to be reckoned with. And a lot of people have him ranked fairly high, uh, but I don't think many have him ranked high enough. I think because most are really split on him, he's still uh, a name that you can get kind of later in drafts and somebody who was not on anyone's radar last summer, uh, unless you were drafting really, really deep or drafting really, really late. And so, you know, you might be able to get him if your draft is still this summer or you haven't had your draft just yet for the college of the Canton side. But 
I like that name quite a bit. For me, I already mentioned one of them, but Stephen Carr, Indiana, that was one. But uh, I think uh, Jerry and Ely, I know you're a big fan of Jerry and Ely. And we've already seen Jerry and Ely do great things for Ole Miss. But Jerry Neely is a great receiving back, and they just lost their best receiver there in Elijah Moore going to the pros. And they don't have an automatic, hey, it's going to be this guy to fill those shoes right away. Uh, we've seen him put up two seasons of almost exactly 900 yards from scrimmage for Ole Miss. But we're talking about a team that's probably going to be scoring, you know, 40 plus points a game this year. Uh, you know, one of the fastest, highest flying offenses in all of college football. And, and he's going to be the focal point. He was already that much last year at the running back position. Now he could see an expanded receiving role. He's already proved that he can catch and be efficient in that way, averaging almost 10 yards per reception career. So I think he could expand and show that he is a full feature back candidate. And uh, if he gains just a little bit of weight, I think I can project some capital because <laughs> he is I knew still that was coming. <laughs> yeah, I know. He's still probably like 190 or so. Uh, so he probably needs to still... Add just a little bit, maybe another 10 pounds, uh, if he wants to really be considered uh, for a feature back role in the NFL, if not even closer to 20 more pounds. So we'll see what that does to his speed. But I really hope and and believe he can break out. Do you have a wide receiver in mind, though, for 2022 eligibles? You would, uh, I guess you kind of mentioned Brew McCoy a little bit, but yeah, anybody I else? Brew, I mean, Brew, Brew's probably my That's my your favorite. guy? Okay. Um, I mean, I, I mentioned Drake London as well. He's someone that I'm, I'm, I'm super. Same team. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And I think, I think those, I think, I mean, I think USC as, as much, as much as I hate to say it because I am an uh, Oregon Ducks fan. Um, I do think both those guys are just absolutely um, exciting um, from someone from a, from a, I mean, everyone knows like, you know, uh, Garrett Wilson and, and Olave, uh, you know, th- those guys are the, are the, are the top names to be thinking about. Um, but then another kind of interesting situation is just like what's going on in Oklahoma. And I, it's really hard to know if it's going to be Theo Weiss or yeah, um, going to be that Jaden Hazelwood. And, and, and I kind of lean between those two. I mean, you know that I'm a Marvin Mims fan, but he's a, he's a little bit younger, but I, I, I kind of like Hazelwood. Um, he, he just has, you know, struggled with injury. I think, if he's healthy this year, I think he could really skyrocket up some draft boards. So he's kind of a sleeper for me. Yeah, I know that's somebody who I, I know that a lot of uh, recruiting uh, reporters and, and teams and people that are around the team believe Hazelwood could still bounce back this year and end up being the wide receiver two for them. If not the wide receiver one, even out of nowhere right. for them. So that could be a really fun name to still believe in, uh, you know, a name that was actually atop his entire recruiting class just a couple years ago. Jaden Hazelwood for Oklahoma. Yeah. Uh, But for me, wide receiver for 2022 eligibles, I know we saw him break out and do great things last fall for Boston College, but he was still sharing a lot of the targets with uh, tight end Hunter Long, who actually uh, went pretty early in the draft this year. And Hunter Long is gone, uh, but they don't really have anybody else to throw to there, but they still do have Phil Jerkovic, who is probably a top 10 quarterback in all college football, and at least was last year in terms of passing efficiency. Uh, And so he's going to basically, the entire offense is going to be Zay Flowers. And a guy who who saw 900 yards in 11 games probably could turn into closer to 1,500 yards in a full 13 games if they make it to a bowl this year. So I I really am believing that Zay Flowers is going to explode and be a day two guy 
uh, next year. I know a lot of people aren't really counting on that. They're they're letting him drop into the 60s, 70s, 80s, you know, that kind of range in terms of picks. But you know what? A year ago, Elijah uh, Elijah Moore and Diami Brown, both guys dropping into the seven, eight, nine round uh, range last year. Uh, that already had a pretty good resume, but they just really put the icing on the cake and just blew up uh, in their final season. And I think we could see that out of Zay Flowers, Boston College, for sure. But let's head on to uh, 23 eligibles uh, and then a couple 2024 names, uh, and then we'll wrap up here. But who who would you say your top 2023 eligible breakout or favorite breakout candidate for this year would be? Ooh, um how deep do you want me to go here? I've got, I've got kind of a deep one um, and I've got a lot of shares of them. So I want to talk about him and that's um, Xavier Henderson, a wide receiver from Florida, probably a name that not very many people are too familiar with, but he, um, he was a four-star recruit. He was a number 12 uh, wide receiver. Uh, one of the things I love about targeting Florida players is that they always seem to get draft capital. And we just saw, two Gator receivers um, go in the first round in the NFL draft in Kyle Pitts and Kadarius Tony, Trevon Grimes. Sorry, I forgot his first name for a second. Yeah. He, uh, he, he didn't get drafted, but he is recently signed, I think as an undrafted free agent. So, so you're losing three wide receivers. Well, Pitts is a tight end, obviously, but you're losing three, three of your main weapons. And so uh, Florida, I think is still going to want to throw the football uh, Jones is going to be, I think, a just fine quarterback. And Xavier Henderson looks to really uh, step into a position where he could dominate from a target share perspective. He's 6'4", 190. He moves uh, fairly well. Again, he was a, a highly recruited guy. I'm excited about him. Again, you can get him super, super late. Um, but just the uh, the availability for him is is pretty great. And if you look at the Gators depth chart, I don't think Justin Shorter is all of a sudden going to become the man that we hoped he would. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and so a, a sophomore, Xavier Henderson, I think the reason he, that his production was so low last year, I mean, he only had um, like uh, 10 receptions or so. Um, it's just because there was too many, too many other um, elite pro, uh, players on that, on that team. So um, he's a guy kind of deep, kind of a, you know, deep yeah, sleeper I think there, that's a great name. That's a guy I'm excited about. You know, Florida fans might be screaming at us right now. It's no, hey, no, Jacob Copeland, that's the guy they're talking about right now. But Jacob Copeland has had some time to do this. Uh, and uh, he, he's not really broken out. I guess he's played behind some uh, future NFL players, but I don't think it's going to be Copeland. The guy whose brother, uh, Xavier Henderson's brother, CJ Henderson, was just a first round right. draft pick here recently. He's got that pedigree. Uh-oh. He's got, you know, he's he's got probably the best skill set on the team. And so I like him to break out. Uh, quite a bit there for you. That's a great name. He's Xavier it's, Henderson for Florida. It's funny that you mentioned his brother because uh, one of the things that is a tiebreaker for me when I'm looking at players is yeah. do they have a father or brother that play in the NFL? Like I've got Caffrey <laughs> Brown in a couple of <laughs> leagues because of yeah. Diami and stuff like yeah. that. You have Diami Brown's so. brother plays for the same team in North Carolina. He could yeah. be a breakout candidate. Uh, actually eligible, I believe, for this upcoming draft. But uh, twenty another twenty twenty three guy from me, I mean I, I believe obvious names Quentin Johnston and Jermaine Burton I think already kind of got there in terms of breaking yeah. out a little bit at least what we the bare minimum what we want to see from freshmen, but Johnson was one of the most efficient just crazy efficient deep threat and monsters 
uh, for TCU. Jermaine Burton, no George Pickens there. Uh, already did great things last year. I think he breaks out in a big way. But I, I think Jalen Hyatt for Tennessee. Josh Heupel comes in, uh, brings in this crazy fast-paced offense that loves to go to wide receivers. He came from UCF. UCF's been sending some players uh, at the wide receiver position to the pros due to their high-volume pass attack. And I think that Jalen Hyatt is going to be the guy who takes advantage this year. And he's the guy that people have been talking about, really pumped about this year in terms of breaking out and being the face of the franchise basically the face yeah face of the program here pretty soon uh, because no one knows who the heck the quarterback is going to be really but uh, Jalen Hyatt Tennessee is a name I, I think I would I would keep my eye on and then running back wise I think wait, I'll wait, go, wait, wait. you can't skip over your dude your dude, dude Mr. Addison come on it wouldn't be fair <laughs> for you not to mention him well I guess that's one of your guys then for, for favorite breakouts then well I mean he broke out last year but yeah uh, you were the one who uh, you were talking about him uh, before I was, and so you, you you need to take some credit for calling Jordan Addison a breakout last year as a as a freshman because he totally did, and I just expect more more great things from him. Yeah, I mean the guy had sixty catches as a true freshman. Yes, it's it was so for Pitt, and yes, they didn't have very many other options to go to, but they're bringing back their veteran quarterback in for like his sixteenth season. Kid Pickett, <laughs> your guy, Love him. my uh, boy. And, yeah, and so it's because we're the same age. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, I can't. Uh, yeah, but Jordan Addison, I think he breaks out in a big way. He was somebody that most missed last year because he had that athlete designation. And many mm-hmm. times that athlete designation, they're guys that can play defensive back or wide receiver. And it's really risky to draft them anyway. Like yep. this year's example is Billy Bowman. I drafted him and now he's converted to a defensive back uh, for Oklahoma, which is a huge bummer. He'll probably still get capital, first round capital, just playing defensive back just to mock me. But uh, yes. yeah, Jordan Addison was somebody that was overlooked last year, had four-star kind of pedigree as a recruit. Uh, but I think he's going to continue to break out for sure. But my running back, Jalen Berger, Wisconsin. Uh, he only had 60 carries last year. I know some people were already a fan before. He's ranked pretty highly by some, but not all in. Uh, if you look at rankings, boards across ev- just about everywhere, Uh, He's not anywhere like in the top two, three, even four rounds for most people that rank and call themselves an expert in this space. I even listened to a pretty popular podcast in terms of college football. They got to Wisconsin and they're like, yeah, I don't even know what they have at running back. And I was like, dude, really? Like Jalen Berger looked like the truth last year was the most efficient weapon and really took on uh, some good opportunities, even though their whole program was fighting through COVID and, you know, Graham Mertz was down, you know, with, with COVID for some time. They, they were basically just trotting out like half the roster sometimes. So in a year where, they should be getting back to normal. Jalen Berger is going to be the focal point of that offense. They're, the other two guys, Nikia Watson, transferred out. Garrett Groshek it went to the pros. Yes, Ches Malusi, I believe, just transferred there from Clemson. But Jalen Berger is going to be that offense this year for a team that loves to run the ball. Loves to run the yeah. ball and is going to be scoring a lot of points. He's going to have a bunch of touchdowns. That's my dude for running back. Yeah, it's. I like that you 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 brought him up and you brought Ely up. Those in that league I was telling you about where I sold out for the NFL. Um, my first pick was in the third round when I took Drake London. Yeah. Um, and then in um, in the I didn't have like a, a fifth round pick either. So in the fourth and sixth, I took Ely and then Berger. I got Berger in the sixth round, 
um, so that to your point, you can get him really late and he really could pop. So that's why I like this team so much. Just, I feel like yeah. I got a lot of great value at the running back position, awesome. even though I didn't have early picks. Absolutely. Well, give me one name in 2024 that you're predicting the future for the, that they will be uh, that they will be breaking out uh, this fall in year one. Um, oof, this fall, uh, I think Donovan Edwards is is an easy pick. He, he he's someone that I'm that I think we both like quite a bit. Yeah, running um, back Michigan. Maybe, <laughs> yeah, maybe a little bit deeper uh, is uh, is Dion Smith. Um, he's someone that I've been I've been uh, targeting in a lot of areas just because he's going to a school that produces elite wide receivers at LSU. Now projecting a breakout this year is tough because he's going to be um, in the same offense with uh, Boutte, uh, which is going to be really hard, but six foot three, 203 pounds. He's got good. Uh, he's got a great um, uh, draft pedigree, super fast. Um, excited to see what he can do. So Dion Smith would be someone that kind of a, another late round guy that you can get. Um, in a lot of C to C leagues that I think could potentially, um, again, you may not see the market share that we like just because there are there. He's not the number one receiver in his room. Um, but LSU produces a lot of great receivers as we've seen recently. So, um, I'm, I'm willing to, uh, take a, take a flyer on him and, and hope for some pretty good things. Yeah. I like that name quite a bit. I also like Xavier worthy, uh, who yeah. left Michigan and went to, uh, Texas instead. Uh, and now with Jake Smith potentially, well, he's in the transfer portal. A uh, bunch of unproven guys still there. Xavier Worthy could be a true freshman breakout for Texas, uh, depending on what happens at quarterback for them and, and a new system. Got, yeah, a new offensive coordinator and, and, and a new whole offense there with Steve, Steve Sarkeesian taking the helm. Uh, Xavier Worthy is a guy. That speed is going to be a lot of fun if he can break out as a true freshman. Jake Garcia. Uh, quarterback, if, if he gets any action, if the Eric King isn't ready to go week one, uh, he could do something right away and get some hype a la, you know, DJ Uyangale, like only yeah. had two games last year. But Jake Garcia is a top 50 type player in the country in his class as a true freshman. He could break out. I already mentioned Tyler Buckner, uh, a couple other guys down the way uh, that I like. Uh, Kyron Ware Hudson. Uh, wide receiver USC. Uh, oh, we love him too. Look at, yeah. look at us giving USC wide receivers yeah, some love today. Tons. We'll see what happens and who actually breaks out or not. But uh, and then Kamaro Edmonds for North Carolina. I think he he can immediately be the Javante Williams there for sure. Uh, in in being a high volume, high touch volume, high touchdown scoring guy early on for them. And of course, I mean they're easy slam dunk names like Trebion Henderson for Ohio State. Right. Uh, but everyone kind of sees that one coming. Uh, but um, yeah, that's probably about all the time we have on this show. But uh, thanks for tuning in for another College of the Kenton podcast. Guys, we'll, we'll be getting to uh, some previews, looking ahead to uh, some more college football and NFL stuff here soon. But we got college football camps, like I said, starting. Like one, a couple of my buddies that are still in college, going back to college camps, are actually going back as early as next week for some of them already getting back on campus. So lots to talk about. Some news probably going to be coming out about, you know, some college players and even some rookies. And, you know, with the Elite 11 finals being this week yeah. for, uh, for you know, recruiting, there, there should be some new names kind of moving up boards and recruiting circles. So who knows? We might even get into predicting the future for some recruiting and such like that. We haven't really spent much time on that on the show. But uh, 
could take even one step further into the uh, Debbie conversation too. Well, we'll see. We'll see. But that, that's what we, uh, this college, this college getting podcast fun. You know, we just mix it up and talk about um, players all the way from recruiting to uh, the hall of fame. Maybe we'll get into some hall of fame debates again. I haven't done that in about a month and a half either. So yeah, absolutely. <laughs> lots of, lots of stuff to talk about even before we get back to the season, but it's funny. We only have like a month, month or so before uh, college football starts ramping up and, and it's awesome. Then, uh, yeah, preseason's here, and then we're uh, in the middle of the season before we know it. But um, it's a beautiful thing, a beautiful thing. It is. Well, anyway, listeners, uh, leave a rate and review. Uh, that'd be great. Leave a question in there. We'll get it on the show. But thanks for joining us for another College to Canton podcast. We'll see you guys next time.